When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Early Read, Betsides College Football Betting Show. I'm your host, Reed Wallach, joined today by Parker Fleming of BetUS, CFBGraphs.com. And you've probably seen his advanced game previews. You can follow him on Twitter, at StatsOfWar, for every single game preview on the weekly college football slate. Parker's one of the best in the business. Pumped to have him on. Parker, how's it going? Reed, I'm doing great, man. Thank you for the kind words and, and thanks for having me on. It's, uh, it is an absolute uh, joy and shock to me that I get to talk about college football and, and work in college football and, and do all this stuff. So uh, always, always happy to talk and uh, um, just, just love that I get to do it, you know? Yeah, I'm pumped to have you on. And trust me, we are putting you through the grinder this week. We got a huge show talking week five. I mean, this is kind of like the official start of conference play, in my opinion. We've had a little sampling so far, but we got top 10 showdown, North Carolina State, Clemson this week. That's going to be our marquee matchup. We're also going to talk Oklahoma and Parker's beloved TCU Horn Frogs game coming up in a little bit. But first, we're going to talk some contender pretender for that fourth college football playoff spot. So loaded show today. We have a lot to get to. A little bit of housekeeping from last week. Early read bets go 6-3, and three, improving to 17-15 and 15 on the year. Seven of the nine bets were worse on game day than they were when given out on the show on Tuesday. Two of them were the same in Clemson and Rutgers. Neither of them got home, but uh, seven of the nine were uh, ahead of the market. So it pays to watch live on Tuesdays. But listen, you're only as good as your most recent bets. So we have plenty of bets to get to. So Parker, let's start though. College football playoff preview. I think we could agree in some order. It's Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State. Those three are very, very likely to be in the college football playoff. The fourth spot's a little uh, up in the air, and we saw Oklahoma go down last week. Clemson hung on. They have another crazy matchup this week. The fourth spot seems very up in the air, so I want to play a little contender-pretender with you with three teams that I think are, I'll say, live for different reasons to make the college football playoff. So we're going to get to the marquee matchup, but Clemson, I think, is the first team we have to discuss. Um, DJ Uyunglele. Maybe starting to figure some things out as a passer. Doesn't look super fluid back there, but the offense is looking better this year than last. The defensive line is still fantastic. Where do you stick with or stand with Clemson? Are they a contender or is this a team that's fake goods? Um, I think they're absolutely a contender. They're, they're, they're trending upwards in the right direction. I have a, I, full disclosure, I have a, um, a Heisman ticket with some very little money, but just, uh, just the fun, <laughs> Hey, might as well, you know, I can see the redemption story for DJU and they, they are able to run the ball a little bit better. I think that that only lifts them up. I have them about 14th in uh, EPA expected points added margin, just a, you know, a down to down efficiency measure. Um, and they've been pretty balanced last year. They had a really bad, you know, just a ton of negative plays. DJU had the 
that had the uh, one of the lowest total EPAs. I think negative 35 expected points he was worth last season. So they're definitely figuring that out a little bit. Pass defense does worry me. I, I you know, the rush defense is so good though. Um, I think that they're they're able to really get away with a lot on that back end. And it was really encouraging last week that they did kind of you know, have, have the game where the defense was struggling and the offense overcame and they dropped 50 points and won that game in overtime. So I think they're for real. I think their schedule's not, um, not great, but I, I think they're, that they really, in my mind, kind of have that claim to that fourth spot. Um, just the way their schedule is going to break and the way that, um, they're going to line up with how they're figuring out some things on offense. Yeah, I agree. I think the offense definitely on the upswing. There are some questions. I'm just not sure if the ACC, if there's going to be a challenger that could maybe knock them off the pedestal and open the door for another team. So do I put Clemson in the top three group? Probably not. But are they at the top of the rest fighting for that fourth seed? I think so, at least heading into this one. And, you know, anyone who's watched early read knows I have very strong thoughts on USC, but we have to discuss them as a college football playoff contender. They are undefeated. They survived but did not cover against Oregon State last week um USC I'll give my thoughts after but Parker as someone who breaks down and you know really gets into the nuts and bolts of college football what do you see with this team because I see and I think a lot of people are catching on to it plus 14 in turnover margin uh Caleb Williams struggling um last week on the road I think they play from behind the sticks a lot the aggressive play calling I think helps their cause because they do have a lot of talent to you know pick up fourth downs and such but is this team for real, or do you think that this is another? This is a team that's you know going to get picked off out during one of these Pac-12 games. Uh, you know, I, I really I had USC under nine and a half as one of my best totals. We're, we're there totals <laughs> this season, and like you know, statistically, I just you know try just a, a little model that looks at year over year versus success, takes into account uh, takes into account continuity, coaching continuity, all that, and and USC, I think you know them them getting over nine and a half wins would just be a statistical oddity. Um, the, the couple of things that, that lead me to think that they're, they're a little bit, um, fake is fake is a strong word, but I like it. Um, they are, uh, you know, plus three and a half a game in turnover margin. That's obviously unsustainable. They haven't committed a turnover that's unsustainable. It also shows that they're not letting Caleb Williams be aggressive enough. Actually, there's a little mm-hmm. bit of a trade-off. You would like for them to be a little bit more aggressive on offense, maybe take some more risks, but they're not taking a lot of risks. That's why they're not turning it over. Their uh, defense really worries me. We have a huge split between their uh, efficiency and pass and rush. I have them 13th in raw EPA per pass, 123rd in EPA per rush. When you have such a big split, you have to think selection, right? That doesn't mean that their pass defense is 13th overall. That means that their run defense is so bad, no one's passing against them unless they absolutely have to, yeah. because why would you? You can move the ball rushing. So as they encounter teams that are a little more competent in the passing offense, um, I think that their defense is really going to get spread thin. And we've seen that they're playing a lot of conservative offense there really just trying to you know minimize variance around Caleb Williams and um not really taking many shots so I think they're due for some turnover regression the the USC four turnover game against uh Utah I think I saw someone in the chat right there is going to be hilarious I I do think that with one loss they could win the Pac-12 and maybe get into that spot but they would need some help from some other teams I think that the turnover regression the split on defense um the way their offense hasn't clicked yet we're we're seeing this first year of a coach even with talent really does take some time to gel I'm going to say that I don't have them anywhere near the playoff right now yeah, I agree. I I just think I think they lose to Utah on the road and then they're due for a stinker. Like it's where everything goes wrong cuz last week against Oregon State and we won't get too far into last week, but I mean, if it wasn't a turnover, it was Oregon State moving the ball down the field. I mean, USC picks up their own fumble in their own 1-yard line and then they go 99 yards. So, I think that 
Turnover regression's coming, like I said. Plus 14, best in the country, by, I believe, five turnovers. They've generated a turnover on more than 30% of their defensive possessions. I think that this team is kind of just running on uh, smoke here, and I don't love it. I Caleb Williams is a fantastic player. I still he's still inexperienced. You know, this is not a guy who's going to come in as a proven commodity. He still has some growing pains to uh, play through. I'm not sold on USC. We'll see that Utah game. I think the market's catching up to him. I think Utah's going to open heavier than people are expecting, you know, to top probably 10, to top 10, to top 15 teams playing. One other team I want to get your opinion on though. Uh, they won the game of the week last week, Tennessee. I know it got a little bit closer towards the end. Offense is amazing. That lightning fast frenetic pace Josh Heupel likes to play with. Hendon Hooker, Heisman odds go through the roof. They're now 16 to 1 at uh, Consensus Sportsbooks. They're on a bye this week, but then the schedule gets legit. They get at LSU, then Alabama at home. Are you buying Tennessee? I think they've almost replaced Texas A&M as that kind of third SEC team be in the mix maybe. Is Tennessee for real or is this more like New Year's 6 is the ceiling for the Vols? I think just being in the SEC East and having Alabama as your rival means you're going to have to beat Alabama twice um, to get to the playoff here. Just that's that's going to happen. You're going to have to win two of three versus Alabama and Georgia to be a one-loss fringe contender. I, I think that that is just too much of an uphill climb here. Um, I really like Tennessee. I think their game against Georgia last year was really instructive. They came out and they scored on their first drive. And they're really good at that first punch. You know, Heupel's got a really good mind. But um, then I think that they really struggle to kind of counterpunch. I think we saw that in the second half against Florida, that they're, they they know what they're good at. They don't necessarily have a good counter-counterpunch um, to be able to kind of come back with that. I have them as seventh in my EPA per play margin. But again, there's a huge gap from kind of one to three down to, you know, seven to 30 are, are very similar there as well. So um, I also had Florida projected for 24 points against Tennessee last week. So I had like Tennessee 36, Florida 24. And so Tennessee actually did a little worse than I projected. So I think that they're a very good college team. I think Heupel is doing the right things, organizing his offense, protecting his quarterback. They've got some explosive fun. Cedric Tillman's a really great wide receiver. Um, the schedule issues and the fact that, you know, that, that they've underperformed a little bit um, against uh, against Florida team that, that my model doesn't really love. Uh, I, I don't know that playoff is really what we're talking about in Tennessee. I think we're talking about a solid New Year's Six win and uh, and kind of seeing where we go from there. Yeah, I like that. Really, really good team, but not, again, part of that big four, that top four. So yeah. I think that's interesting thoughts on Tennessee. But I do think we're going to be talking about this team as the season goes on. You know, again, that big game against Alabama coming up. I think this team is going to be in some big games. I'm excited to see what Josh Heupel and uh, Hendon Hooker could do. Um, if you guys have any questions, though, we're about to hit on a bunch of different games over the next, like, 20, 25 minutes. But if you have any questions, comment them below. We will get to them at the end of the show. But we're going to get now to our marquee matchup. Clemson. North Carolina State, Clemson, I mean, we got to talk about, obviously, the weather at hand, but Clemson's in around like a minus six and a half favorite, total now at 40, 40 and a half. Um, of course, Hurricane Ian is tearing through the South right now, has left a lot of uncertainty on this game. So, Parker, I don't know if you have a lot of conviction in the play we're about to give out, but I do think that there's a lot of uncertainty. The spread and total has been moving kind of all over the first since this has opened since Sunday. So, we'll get into that, but... I guess let's talk about NC State first. Two, I would say, competitive games so far against Texas Tech. NC State had that one in control. And then ECU, they obviously had to really pull that one out in week one. What do you make of the Wolfpack? Because I know the expectations were as high as they've ever been in Raleigh this season. 
Yes. So one, I will say all of my numbers are um, insured against injuries. They are aggregate team numbers. They're not at the player level. So, you know, you take that account and acts of God, right? So I'm not, I'm not (laughs) accounting for projections of hurricanes in my, in my game. So do with that what you will. This is again, just saying the average team with this statistical profile versus the average team with this statistical Mm -hmm. profile. What what do we think is going to happen here? So that being said, I do think that NC state is good. I think that Devin Mm -hmm. Leary is a fine quarterback. I think that kind of the off-season content machine really, really was searching for, you know, breakout teams. And NC State got identified to the point of being overrated. I think that they got Agreed. overhyped. But that being said, a top 25 team is still very good for an NC State program. I think we get lost with the Alabamas and the Clemsons and um, kind of their consistent success like that. Like most college football teams, every three to four years, you're going to be in the top 25 and you just hope the bottom doesn't fall out while you build up your development cycle. NC State, absolutely there. Um, I have them at 20th in my um, in, in EPA margin uh, uh, adjusted for opponent. Clemson at 14th. I look at this as um, NC State 30 uh, Clemson 34. If you're kind of doing the transitive property, which doesn't always work, I think NC State's defense is significantly better than Wake Forest's defense. Course, I think yeah. their offense is a lateral step at best. It's definitely different. They're going to try and run the ball more. They're not going to have those elite downfield receivers like AT Perry to, to get to and kind of stretch Clemson out. So I think that while their quality might be the same as Wake Forest, their their matchup against Clemson is kind of a step back there. So um, I have a slight lean towards towards NC State covering just because I think the total will be a lot lower than it was last year. I mean, I, I saw 42 and a half this morning. So yeah, I like NC dropped. State to cover this. Yeah, ahead, it's sorry. dropping. I mean, this total, I mean, it seems like yeah. people are buying into this hurricane. I mean, obviously we're not we're not weathermen here, so we're not trying to protect the weather, but it seems like this people are banking on high winds, rain, kind of a slop fest here. Yeah. So that, that going into it would only, would only say, let me take the dog in a, in a low total here as well with, you know, getting almost a touchdown. Um, but inside, inside that seven points, I mean, I, I, I have this about four and a half for Clemson. So I'm, I'm comfortable with any number above that. I'm going to take NC state here. I think that their defense will, uh, their and Clemson's defense will both create really long sustained drives and, uh, and we'll get a low total here. So I'm going to go with the underdog. Yeah, I think, Again, I think you're looking in the right direction. I think it's interesting. You said it was 34-30 in your model projections, correct? So you were yeah. expecting kind of a higher scoring game, obviously, weather independent of what's going on. Because I was waiting. I actually projected this even higher. I was thinking over when the total first came out. Obviously, the weather comes into play. It went through a key number of 41. So I played very small over 40 and a half. Again, this is not like my most confident one. Maybe wait for the weather. I just... I want to go light just to have a position in on there. NC State's defense, I think, is being a little overrated, and I think your model might be hitting at it too. I mean, against ECU and Texas Tech, both of them outgained the Wolfpack in that game. And I think you could see – I know the game script may have helped with that, but I think you're going to see maybe a few more points, especially even at 40.5 if the teams could just move the ball. I mean, this total is so low. Both offenses are above average in my opinion. We are just talking about Clemson maybe figuring some things out, and – and they're allowing more than five yards per play. It's outside the top 40 nationally. I think that Devin Leary, especially they're going to play in a negative game script. They're six and a half point underdogs. Maybe he has to throw a little bit, assuming weather. Um, I think that this could get over a really low total. I think something in the neighborhood of like 27-21 Clemson, even if it's raining, I think that's very possible. I think that this is just too low of a total and two offenses I actually rate pretty highly. And I think NC State's defense is not as good as people are hyping up in the preseason. I think you make a great point. Last year, I was all in on NC State. They had like a win total of six and a half. This year, I think it was like an eight and a half juice to the over. It was too high for me. I had to sell that stock. So I think that NC State, 
They could keep it close, especially if the weather's going to keep it there. But I think this total is too low now, assuming the teams could actually see in front of them. So, yeah, there is our marquee matchup. NC State Clemson. Uh, I'm going on over 40 and a half. Go small here, though. Uh, wait to see some more weather uh, later in the week. But Parker, he's going to NC State plus six and a half. Great rationale there on um, our ACC game of the week. We're now going to move on to, though, Parker, your beloved TCU Horn Frogs. Uh, they are hosting Oklahoma, who got upset as two touchdown favorites against Kansas State at home last week. I think that honestly took some of the value out of the spot. I was really looking forward to TCU backing them here. Uh, I'll get into my handicap of this game, but I'm high on TCU. I bet them to win the Big 12. I have their overwin total six and a half. So I, I buy this TCU team and had this spot circled as a, this is kind of like those swing games where I think TCU is live. You know TCU better. Did you go to school there? I did. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm an alum. I did undergrad at TCU. Okay, so a TCU alumni here. Are you going with the Horn Frogs here? Or are you going with Oklahoma? I'm going to go with Oklahoma here, and uh, I promise that's not reverse jinx mojo. That's not you know just looking at it this is, objectively. Is, I think the spot the spot for Oklahoma makes a lot of sense. Very frustrating loss last week for for them, and um, a couple times they you know, they, they went to that two minute drill and were able to move the ball really well. And just kind of felt like they lollygagged. They, they, they let Kansas state come out emotional and they dug themselves a 14 point hole and still had a chance to, to win it at the end there. So um, I, I, I think that um, Oklahoma is going to be fine. I think it's going to be a little bit weird to, to have a defense forward uh, Oklahoma team. Their, their mm-hmm. offense with Dylan Gabriel definitely has some holes, but Marvin Mems is a great receiver. I think he's um, leading, uh, leading the power five in yards per route run. So super productive every time he gets out there. Uh, TCU, I think is, is important to look at kind of how they split. I, I have them at 15th in raw unadjusted EPA margin. That goes to you know the 30s when um, when you adjust it for opponent. They really have not had a good opponent, and um, we saw some proof of concept with their offense against Tarleton State and in like three drives against uh, against SMU. But TCU really turtled up there. They they broke up on a couple big runs that saved them at the end. The passing offense really couldn't get downfield at all. They um, Max Duggan had an average depth of target under six yards. So even as he's completing yards, they're definitely having to tailor the offense to him. Quentin Johnston not getting the ball at all for TCU. That is just um, astounding. He is uh, under two yards per route run. Really, really not productive at all. They're, they can't find a way to get the ball to their best player. Um, Chandler Morris might come back this week, but Max Duggan's going to start. So they, you know, who knows? TCU might pull the plug and and try and get Morris in there and see if they can get the ball downfield. But I'm really not optimistic about their kind of sustained drive success. Uh, also on defense, I think they, they had a couple plays where they just got absolutely beat when they had to you know, in obvious passing situations, they had to drop eight. They weren't getting any pressure. And I think if Tanner Mordecai and, you know, one or two to SMU receivers can kind of stretch you out, um, Oklahoma with Mems and, and and multiple options there is going to be that much more. So I think TC wants this to be a shootout. I would lean towards an over, uh, you know, total. If you can get that under 70, I'd lean towards an over there. But I think Oklahoma wins this by more than a touchdown, especially if you can get it at seven, not seven and a half. Um, I, I, I like Oklahoma in this spot. All right, well, I'm I'm going with the Horn Frogs. We might need to change alumni here. I might be uh, I might be the TCU backer here. So um, I took TCU. You could get this at six and a half. That's where I got it. So you could actually do better than that. Um, I make this game Oklahoma four. And again, I came into the season high on TCU, and I know that they haven't been challenged as much, but I think the explosive plays of the Horn Frogs could really make a difference here. Eleventh in explosive pass, sixth in explosive rush, and Oklahoma's defensive line 
I think a little bit of a concern here. We saw Kansas State move the ball at will and kind of keep Oklahoma at bay in that second half. The Sooners made some big plays, and Adrian Martinez came right back. And, Barker, I know you know TCU probably inside and out. I like Max Duggan more than Chandler Morris. Uh, I I agree with that move to Duggan. I think he's looked great out there. And I think he could do some Adrian Martinez-like things on the ground and kind of keep the chains moving. I also think high total like this, I think TCU is live backdoor cover at the end of this game. They're going to play till the bitter, bitter end here against a conference foe. I think this is a lot of points to lay. I think you could see something similar even to the Clemson-Wake Forest game. Not necessarily in terms of like skill position and everything, but just how that game played out going overtime, game land six. I like taking this many points with an explosive TCU offense. As we see a, a TCU question uh, came across the screen there. I'll make sure to hit that. Um, Darrell Turner ch- uh, checks in. He likes TCU to... Uh, win the big 12, I guess, and UCLA to win the, or we're going to old school, maybe uh pack 10. Yeah. I know we're going to get to UCLA in our next uh segment, but I, I like TCU to hang around this game. I just think the back door is going to be wide open come the end of this game. So give me six and a half with uh the horn frogs there. I'll, I'll be the TCU supporter for you, Parker. So you can, <laughs> you can bet with them and I'll be the emotional one. Um, But yeah, there's our Oklahoma TCU marquee matchup you know we did two special ones there so i'm taking tcu with the points parker oklahoma with the points we're going head to head there um kind of weekday football getting back into uh our lives here kind of slowed up for a little bit we're back here so we're bringing back the appetizer segment our weekday best bet get us started early parker i know you're looking or we're both looking friday you're looking late night though so why don't you tell us about washington ucla kind of i would say our biggest uh thursday friday game of the week yeah, kind of shocked this one was was on Friday, but maybe that'll get some more eyeballs on it. Yeah. Um, and that's a different you know thing entirely. I, I I love what Washington's doing with Michael Penix, man. I, I think that for years I was so high on him at Indiana and just saying, surely the pressure can't get worse. I think my fact was from 2019 to 2020, Michael Penix had the biggest jump in percent of dropbacks pressured of any college football quarterback since I had data for like just an absurd situation there. He's got time at, at Washington. They're finding ways to move the ball uh, consistently. He's very good. I think that um, that's, that's just a lot of fun from a college football mm-hmm. standpoint. They're very efficient on offense. UCLA, I think has played really well against a, or uh, sorry, pretty mediocrely against a, a pretty bad schedule. Um, I I don't know. I I, I have them, at 10th in raw EPA, when you adjust that for opponent, they go to 55th in, in the power five. Okay. So I think that I'm a little bit lower on them um, and and kind of their quality of opponent here. Uh, I like Washington um, by almost a touchdown for just from my power ratings here and the way that they've been able to move the ball um, consistently. I, I don't know that UCLA will be able to pass as consistently um, as as they, they want to against Washington. I also think that some of Washington's aggregate statistics are a little bit uh, need to be adjusted for game state. You look at the touchdowns they gave up against Michigan state. Those were some of those are effectively garbage time. And so their, their numbers are drawn up a little bit, but even with that baked in, I, I really like Washington um, on the road here. I think that they have one of the quickest turnarounds in, in, in college football. They're really primed to, to play solid defense. And with Penix in this offense, I mean, they can move the ball with anybody. Yeah. Washington's first road game of the season, true road game. So I wonder if that's going to come into play. And if you remember Kalen DeBoer, the head coach of Washington, Came from Fresno State. He actually went to UCLA last year and pulled an upset with Jake Hayner and the famous uh, Jake Hayner, uh, I think it was his hip, where he like points to the sky because he can't even walk, slinging around at like 2 a.m. Eastern time. So 
Uh, Parker going with Washington, laying the three on the road. We'll see how that goes. That's definitely going to be the marquee matchup. Uh, and Darrell checked, and he said another over with Washington, UCLA. I think, yeah, there's going to be points there. I, th- I think you're going to see both teams kind of move it with DTR especially. Uh, guys, a human highlight reel. So my <laughs> Friday night game, I'm interested what you have to say on this, Parker. Middle Tennessee State hosting UTSA. I'm going to take the points with the Blue Raiders. And this really comes down to – from head coach Jeff Trailer said uh, to press this week – it couldn't be a worse time to play a Friday game with our injury situation. Last week, uh, they actually transitioned two defensive linemen to the offensive side of the ball. They are absolutely gutted on the offensive line. And I know the offense is humming with Frank Harris and stuff, but their defense is really a big concern, have allowed 38 or more to all three FBS teams. And then uh, Texas Southern put up 24 against them last week in kind of a tune-up game. It's a short week. I know Middle Tennessee, maybe there's a letdown after beating Miami, but – they didn't just like beat Miami in a fluke. They took it to Miami. I mean, outgained it by 140 yards, held them to 1.58 yards per carry. I mean, this middle Tennessee state team since getting just absolutely blitzed by James Madison week one has been fantastic. Scored 30 or more in three straight games, including Miami on the road. I just think plus four, I make this inside a three. I'm not crazy about UTSA this year. Anyway, the defense is a concern. I like the home dog here, especially with that offensive line concern. Uh, Parker, what do your numbers say about that? Yeah, I think the injuries go a lot into this and 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 the spot matters for MTSU. Um, I actually have have upgraded a little bit UTSA from what I expected this season. I expected a bigger drop off than they were, but that also comes from, you know, we're settling into, okay, Houston wasn't as good. So a close game against Houston might not mean as much and kind of figuring that out. I do like Frank Harris. I think he's absolutely an underrated uh, quarterback here. And and Rick Stockstill has MTSU playing well and playing discipline. They're 17th and rush rate over expected. So very aggressive in early downs. UTSA is the same. They're 13th in rush rate over expected. So two very aggressive teams. I think passing defense will matter a lot. UTSA's has been slightly worse, but against a, a, a better schedule than MTSU, even, even including that Miami. If you look at the total yards, I mean, um, MTSU had two touchdowns of over 70 yards, right? And so those two broken plays, I, I tend to think that, you know, they did outgain by Miami by a lot, but a lot of that can be explained on two plays. I don't know if that necessarily reflects the magnitude of the difference between those as much as it does some positive variants. So um, I'd expect a little bit of regression from, 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 from MTSU. My numbers have this uh, closer to seven for uh, okay. UTSA, um, but injuries and all that, I, I don't have a play here just because I am a little bit worried about one, some weather issues, and then two, uh, with UTSA, these injuries in a short week, I just don't know what's going to be on the field. Yeah, uh, Darrell checking in. He loves Frank Harris. I like Frank Harris too, but not to win by four on the road against uh, the Blue Raiders. So there's yeah. our uh, two appetizers for this one. I'm taking Middle Tennessee plus four against UTSA. Parker's going with Washington. Minus three on the road against UCLA. So now we'll get to some more underdogs. Uh, why not? Uh, Parker, I know you're looking Big Ten. I don't know if you can see behind me. I got – where am I going? Right here. Uh, I got a Wisconsin. I'm a Wisconsin alum here. You're looking at this game, Wisconsin, laying seven against Illinois. Uh, my Badgers got absolutely uh, decleated by Ohio State. Is probably a nice adjective to put in there. Uh, game was over within three minutes. Uh, how are you feeling about them this week against Illinois? Yeah, I almost don't uh, don't penalize them too much for doing exactly oh, what we do. It's one of the deepest wide receiver rooms. I feel like we've said that for like the last six years that you know Ohio State has the deepest wide receiver room in, <laughs> that we've seen. But legitimately, I mean, just a ton of dudes there, um, really, really, really talented. Three or four deep of just absolute first round NFL guys. No one, no one can defend that. Um, Washington does have some issues this year. I, I'm really worried mostly about their imbalances. So on offense, 12th in EPA per rush, um, but they're rushing. You know. 
49th uh, least out of anybody in, in the nation. So they are being a little more aggressive just because of game state. They're 115th in EPA per pass. The negative plays with Graham Mertz, man, if I'm Illinois and defensive coordinator Ryan Walters, I want to line up in such a way that Graham Mertz has to throw 50 passes against me, right? I want to take those odds that he's not going to beat me through the air. And so that big split, I think Illinois has been really good in passing, second in EPA per pass, 27th in EPA per rush for, on defense for Illinois there. So I think that they'll be able to frustrate uh, – Wisconsin's offense. I think they're going to load the box and try and invite Graham Mertz to throw. I don't know if he's going to be able to capitalize on it. Um, also, Wisconsin has had some really bad uh, issues with third and fourth down success. I have them at 124th. Whether that's you know um, adjusting that for for situation, they've been in third and longs often, or they just haven't been able to ca capitalize. That that speaks to me as some unsustainable offense. So what little offensive success they have had has been against bad competition and, um, and has been, you know, um, really, really struggling to get move, move on third downs, Illinois fifth and third and fourth down success. They've really tightened that up. I have a lot of respect for Ryan Walters. Um, and then on the other side, uh, Wisconsin's defense is third in EPA per pass, but they're 51st in EPA per rush. So again, a big split, you think selection, I think Illinois with Chase Brown is really balanced. He's yeah. one of those involved players in college football. He can get through the area and get it on the ground. They'll be able to kind of keep Wisconsin honest and, and exploit both of those units, maybe make both of them a little bit more efficient. The only critique I really have of, of Illinois' offense for what it is, right? I have it rated 70th out of, out of everybody, so I'm not you know making claims. The biggest concern I have is they're not very good at finishing drives. I have it at 3.67 points per quality possession. But Wisconsin has been really bad about that. They've given up some <laughs> touchdowns. They've, they've done that. They're 119th on defense. So the, the matchup really seems that Illinois should be able to keep this in a low-scoring game, should be able to keep this um, straightforward. I have I, I really think Illinois should be able to – should be in a position to win this game with the ball at the end of the fourth quarter. Yep. I am going to go with Illinois to cover seven, and I think there's no shame, no, no, no uh, adverse effects to sprinkling some money on the money line here as well. Yeah, uh, Graham Mertz laying points against quality competition, never a good thing. But Oof, yeah. listen, these are the times you want to probably take an underdog on the money line. Total 42 and a half, 43. You make some great points about Wisconsin's offense, but also Illinois, they want to run the ball. They want to attack on the ground. They're not trying to air it out and get into a shootout. So I agree. I think Illinois can hang around this game. And Illinois has beaten Wisconsin in the past uh, coming off. I mean, listen, this is a team that lost to Washington State already. I mean, the season's already trending in the wrong direction. This could be kind of a fatal blow. I've been kind of saying it wouldn't shock me if Paul Chris is out of a job at the end of the season, depending on how it shakes out. So again, it just might be going stale there. So I Life, don't hate it. At all fast, man. That's wild. <laughs> yeah. Listen, some, something's got to change there because it's either Graham Mertz got to go and this team has to attack through the portal or there needs to be a new man in charge because it's starting to run a little stale here in Wisconsin. And I know we're all getting frustrated watching us just like not even look like we're capable of staying on the field with Ohio State. Forget losing, just like getting absolutely embarrassed like that. So um, I don't hate to play at all, even as a Wisconsin alum. My play, looking at another low total, uh, I'm going to take Navy. This line started coming down this morning at 14. This is the last spot I'll buy it at. My numbers make it 16, but I think you almost need to kind of add some qualitative analysis to the play because it is two service academies. I had my friend Cody Malstrom from Action Network look this up. Since 2005, in service academy versus service academy games, uh, the underdog is 30-20-1 and one against the spread. And now we're getting two touchdowns. The total's in at 37. So, you know, low totals, not going to be a lot of points. I know Air Force has been blitzing some poor teams, but Navy's defense has actually held up very nicely. Top 20 in defensive line yards. They're top five against the run. They know what's coming in this Air Force offense. I mean, it's triple option versus triple option. So maybe something clicked for this Navy offense off the bye week. They go to ECU and beat them in overtime. 
Air Force's defensive line, not great. 89th in line yard. So maybe Navy could get a bit of a push there. It's a 10 a.m. local start in Colorado Springs. I just think two touchdowns or more, you got to just take a shot here on the underdog, you know, because one quality drive from Navy, it might be enough to just be good. You're okay there. Um, as Jerry Friedman checks in on the chat, says early readers support the service academy dogs responsibly. Uh, I think you got to take a shot here because one drive might be enough to get this cover home. Uh, again, my numbers say Air Force, but I think you got to really just kind of think about this game, you know, looking at it, not on a spreadsheet, but on kind of how this game is going to break down. So, yeah, there's. Yeah, I, I, I like this. I like this spot a lot. I think that that like what I what I said on the Bet US show earlier today was like blind, not knowing who these teams are or what this game is. I think Air Force, I had them at 17. So I was like, that's a fine bet. But you've got to incorporate kind of the um, the situation here and the fact that the total, I, this morning I saw a total of 37 and a half. Yeah, um, seven, seven to 17 wins this game for you. I mean, for, uh, betting Navy. So I think it's really smart. I think that, um, yeah, the Service Academy games, I'm I, I, I'm a little scared of a double-digit dog in these games, especially Navy getting some good, good mojo last week. I think that's smart. Yeah. So there are two underdog bets, uh, two low total ones. Uh, Parker going with Illinois catching seven uh, against Wisconsin. I am taking Navy plus 14 against Air Force. And then our last segment of this show, we're going to do our main event, our mark, our, our late night bet. Neither of them happening too late this week. Uh, kind of a lower uh, West Coast card this week. Uh, but Parker, I have interest in this matchup as well. So talk to me about Duke, Virginia. Uh, maybe we're being aligned here. Virginia is so sad to me just they're because terrible. I like Brennan they're Armstrong so, so much. He's a he's a fellow redhead, and their offensive line is terrible. He and Keontae Thompson are such a good like two-man combination, and it just shows you like you need an offensive line in college football, and the offensive coordinator drop-off, I think, is is huge for for losing Robert and A there. Um I, I'm gonna go with Duke here. I think Riley Leonard is an electric quarterback. I think Duke has Mike Elko has Duke coached up really well. They're a lot better ahead of schedule of where I thought they would be. 24th in raw EPA per play margin. Virginia is 77th. So, you know, we adjust that. It's not going to land super great. Virginia's defense has been much better than its offense, but even its defense, 66 against the pass. I think Duke will absolutely be able to challenge that, um, move the ball consistently. Uh, I'm going to take Elko and Duke here with with a couple points. I think that they should win this against a very volatile and, and, and a little bit underwhelming Virginia team. Yeah, Virginia is an auto fade here. I like Duke. I think Duke actually played pretty well against Kansas. I know they lost by eight, but I think they acquitted themselves very well in that game as an underdog in a tough spot. I like Duke as well. I'm going to be on you uh, on this with you with uh, Duke under a field goal, I think, is the play. I'm going with a road team, though, as my bet. And this got steamed up yesterday. I still like it because I make San Jose State north of a three-point favorite. I make them closer to three and a half, four points against Wyoming. Uh this Wyoming team is not very good. We're just talking about Virginia. This Wyoming team is actually very, very bad on a grander scale. They beat Tulsa in a crazy game, but they've been lifeless against competent teams. And I bet San Jose State, like I threw some pizza money on them to win the Mountain West. And that this might be opening up nicely for them. The defense has been fantastic this season. They played Auburn on the road. I know it was like a look-ahead spot for Auburn, but they only allowed 24 points. That was the most they've allowed all season. And now Siobhan Cordero starting to come into his own. They just blitzed Western Michigan at home last week. Maybe some good mojo here. And just look at last year. Codero, at, he's a Hawaii transfer, went to Wyoming. They won 38-14. He combined for over 400 yards and four scores. This guy runs hot and cold. But if he's hot, he's going to tear up this Wyoming defense that couldn't stop Jaron Hall last week. I know Jaron Hall is fantastic. But this Wyoming pass defense can be had. Um, they're bottom 20 in EPA per pass. And Cordero's starting to turn that on. Last week, uh, 76 percentile on EPA per dropback. 
San Jose State's defense is going to be the best unit on the field. Below a field goal, or even at a field goal, minus three, I'll put it on the show as. Uh, I like San Jose State to cover here. I think that they're the better team, and they get this Mountain West victory. So there's kind of our late-night plays. Two small favorites. Uh, Parker going with Duke, minus two, and I'll be taking San Jose State on the road against Wyoming. Uh, get those questions in uh, for, you know, at the end of the show. I'm just going to hit Parker really quick. Just two more uh, yeah, three more bets. I'm going to go rapid fire here. Just the best of the rest. Uh, Oregon Stanford over 63 and a half. Uh, Bo Nix is slinging it all over. And I'm not really sure about this Oregon defense. I know their numbers might be a little skewed because of the Georgia slaughter, but they're 94th in defensive success rate. So even if you want to, you know, give them a little boost forward, they're maybe national average and Stanford's offense. They're probably gonna be playing from behind. And Tanner McKee has a big arm. They've either scored or allowed 40 or more points. I think this could be something in the neighborhood like 42-24 Oregon. I think that makes a lot of sense. So I'm going to take the over. That's a late night game as well. Over 63 and a half. I'd play that through 64 and a half. Uh, two more quick ones, two underdogs. I'm going to take Arkansas plus 17 and a half. I think if that kick doesn't hit the top of the upright and come out, this line is not steaming towards 17. I think it's a little bit of an overreaction. I know Jalen Catalan is out for the year for Arkansas, their safety, but Arkansas's offense looks great. Uh, KJ Jefferson looks in control. They outgained Texas A&M. If it wasn't for a fumble recovery, and like I said, that field goal, uh, doink, oink, whatever you want to call it, I think this line is staying where it opened at around 14. I make Alabama 14. So at home, I'm going to take the Razorbacks. Uh, 17 and a half is just too much for me. So 17 or above, above, I'm on Arkansas. And last but not least, Kansas plus three and a half. Uh, I faded them last week and covered with Duke at the early number. I'm going back to the well, though, with Kansas, plus three and a half against Iowa State. Uh, Kansas, top five in yards per play. I think they're going to challenge Iowa State at home, nonetheless. This place has been rocking, and I don't really know how I feel about Iowa State. I mean, they're right around the national uh, average in tackles for a loss, so they're not causing a lot of havoc, and I think Jalen Daniels could run a little wild in this game. So getting over a field goal, I like Kansas. His number's been dancing uh, around, so give me for our best of the rest. Oregon Stanford over 63 and a half. Arkansas plus 17 and a half and Kansas plus three and a half Parker. If you have any other plays that didn't kind of fit into the segments, feel free. If you have any comments on those plays, uh, chime in, please. Yeah. I like, um, I, I like this place, man. Iowa state is just in a bad, in a bad situation. Yeah. You're a big 12 guy. So I trust your opinion. Yeah. They, they just look completely off of the identity that they've wanted to have going forward. Um, another game that I'm, that I put a little bit of money on is I, I like Washington state minus four hosting. Okay. Campbell. Um, I think that Washington state's defense is for real and cam ward as a quarterback is, is electric. So, um, I, I think that they'll be able to kind of frustrate, uh, Cal. I don't know that Cal has any kind of one thing that they're good at enough to really, um, exploit Washington state and keep up here. So I know betting against Justin Wilcox is always a little dicey, but Pullman middle of nowhere, hard to get to. Um, I, I like the magic there. So I like Cal against Washington state as one. Um, another one that I have circled is, um, Oh gosh, where am I? <laughs> uh, Purdue, Purdue, Minnesota. That's when I, I talk about it in depth on the Bet US show. So I won't, I won't spend a ton of time here. But um, I, I, even without Aiden O'Connell, I think Minnesota is, is as balanced and explosive as any team in the nation. They really have a good offensive clicking with Tanner Morgan and Mo Ibrahim there. Um, really, really tough to defend both the pass and the run on the RPO. It's kind of a pick your poison situation. If you can get that under thirteen, you know, twelve and a half. Um, I, I have this at about fourteen and a half. So I would, I would bet it. Um, that way as well. So I, I even even if Aiden O'Connell plays, 
Uh, I just don't know that Purdue has the dimensionality on offense to keep up with Minnesota here. Yeah, great looks. Uh, Washington State was on my list. It's one that, like, I didn't get the first pass. It's only Tuesday, so I thought I'd come back. It's sitting at around four, so I think there's time to get in on this one. I, I'm i a Washington State believer. Uh, I thought I have a big Washington State future uh, over win total, and then also I sprinkled some on the Pac-12. So I thought that would get, like, a real shot of life last week, but obviously they can't get it done against Oregon. But I like them against Cal, and I mean – you bring up Minnesota. Zach Jake and uh, chimes in on the chat. Eleven and one Minnesota. Um, this is a team I was over on in their win total. I thought that they were the best team heading into the year in the Big Ten West. Things are breaking their way, and it looks like uh, Kirk Soroka back uh, with the Gophers is really proving div- uh, paying dividends for Tanner Morgan and uh, now healthy Ibrahim. Uh, listen. Yeah. And this is not like, what was it like 2019 under Fleck? They beat like a terrible Fresno state. And like, they just got, they were undefeated like six games in the season against a really bad slate. Like, dude, they just went to Michigan state and beat the ever loving heck out of them. Like this is a real team. They've got a lot of experience. They're, they're really, really solid in the trenches. I mean, they're, they're very good. Yeah. This is, I think the best team in the big 10 West. So Minnesota, I mean, listen, they're double digit favorites against a projected contender in Purdue for that division. So Wisconsin on the downswing. Iowa can't pick up a first down without a defense scoop and score. So uh, I think Minnesota 11 and one might be reaching. They do have a big game at Penn state coming up, but this team like over seven, seven, seven and a half. I mean, that's just, that's in, I think already. Like I, I can't see it really falling off here. I think this is an upward trajectory team. So uh, me and Parker kind of aligned with you, Zach on Minnesota, maybe not 11 and one, but uh, we'll see. As we keep going through the questions, yeah, one game we didn't get to. I'm curious your thoughts here, Parker. Uh, Oklahoma State owes Baylor a revenge beatdown. Uh, Darrell Turner uh, checks in on the chat. I kind of lean Oklahoma State here. I also kind of like the over. I think these are two sneaky, like, over teams after last year being more defensive-minded. Uh, maybe Blake Shapin kind of figured out some things on offense last week against Iowa State. Uh, where are you seeing this game? Again, I kind of lean towards the Oklahoma State side, off a of bye nonetheless. Yeah, I, I, I lean towards Oklahoma State here as well. I think that um, the the Big 12 championship that's stuck in everyone's mind, you got to remember Jalen Warren, Warren and two uh, linemen were hurt for um, Oklahoma State. They they really were down and, and really in a bad situation. Did not were, were not able to play the game with Spencer Sanders they wanted to play. Um, this year, their stats are a little weird. They let, you know, let Central Michigan kind of come back. And I think that was Derek Mason challenging mm-hmm. some guys. And obviously, turnover on defense is hard. Like, you can't, you just can't replace a Malcolm Rodriguez in one year. That's not going to happen. So, even six step back, I, I, I'd slightly lean towards Oklahoma State in this spot. I think that um, Baylor averaged like 3.6 yards on their first touchdown drive last week. They got some penalties. And I think Matt Campbell let that go to his head and, and kind of lost focus there. Uh, I, I, Iowa State even as bad as they looked, had their opportunities to win that game. Oklahoma State, I think, is a really solid team, especially on offense. I like their threats downfield. I'd lean slightly to Oklahoma State uh, plus uh, plus two and a half. Yeah, I think as a dog, Oklahoma State, like if they were going to come in like minus one, minus two, that's where I have this game projected. But if that's where this market was going to open, I did, I wouldn't like that. But I think Spencer Sanders, like you said, he's starting to figure some things out. It seems like the maturity is finally coming in for him. So I kind of like Oklahoma State as an underdog Again, I kind of like the over. I think you're going to see some fireworks in this game. I I think that Shapin, I think that maybe uh, in the Big 12, especially at home, maybe uh, Aranda in the offense, they kind of let him sling a little bit. Like that BYU game, he had like an average depth of target of like four yards. I mean, they were not letting him move down the field. I think that some confidence might be there a little bit more now after a few games, so maybe they kind of take the training wheels off him. But I do lean towards Oklahoma State. I think they could hit the chunk plays a little bit more. Um, And two more questions, then we'll get out of here. Uh, Jerry Freeman asked about Indiana. 
Uh, are the Hoosiers a worthy dog play against sliding corn against the sliding corn Huskers? I saw the market moving towards Nebraska. I think it was moving towards like six. I think you got to take Indiana. I, I think you do. Like, I don't think the market could adjust for what this Nebraska team is. And I watched that Indiana Cincinnati game, Indiana, in the second half started to figure it out through the air. I know they're not very good. I'm not saying that this is a big 10 contender or anything, but you're going to favor Nebraska by six. Why? Like, what has this team shown you that they deserve to be favored, especially in conference play? I just think Indiana, um, this is a game I'm going to circle back on, but catching this many points, I kind of like the over as well here. I think that Indiana, that was a good second half for them. They hung around that Cincinnati game. Uh, they fell behind early and they came back. So I know they didn't cover late, but I think the Hoosiers Hoosiers are a little bit more competitive than that 3-0 and like fraudulent start might be giving them credit for. Yeah, I have, I have Indiana about 42nd, Nebraska about 61st, really drugged okay. down by their defense and some sequencing. So if you're going to bet, yeah, I'd go with the dog here. I just don't I, – I, 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 this isn't one that I thought had a strong conviction about. Yeah, but you agree, though. You think maybe Indiana – like we know they're bad, but they're not as bad as people might be saying. Yeah, yeah, I think I think in college football, especially with the pervasive media cycle, you just got to make sure you're not you're not betting memes, you're betting objective data, and they're not very good. But neither is Nebraska; they're not an absolute disaster. So, yeah. And then last question, we'll get to another game. I mean, a lot, tons of great games on the slate, and uh, we I think we're gonna hit like most of them. But Jerry asked again: Is Florida State due for an upset? Wake could be frisky this week, and this is a game that kind of has me all over the place. I think it's got to be Wake or pass. My numbers come out towards the Florida State side because they have really looked good. But I'm also watching the games. And again, this is one where you almost need to pull back. Like, you know, you can look at your numbers and use that as a basis, but you also need to watch the games. Like Mike Norvella, I feel like he's kind of got let off the hook with some of his late game decision making. I kind of trust Sam Hartman a lot more than Jordan Travis. I think I this might be back inside of a touchdown, but at seven, I think it's gotta be dog or pass here. I think Wake, they showed me something. I, I really think so against Clemson. This is a team that isn't going to go away easily. I have this inside of a field goal. I think the big difference wow, is that right. um, Wake Forest has kind of two elite receivers and, you know, a, like A.T. Perry is just excellent. And they're they're really good at, at this kind of slow mesh RPO. The passing offense has been really efficient. People are really respecting the run. I like Florida State. I think last year they were a little bit undervalued just because, you know, I, I like to look at offense, defense, neutral script, how are you running, how are you playing the ball? And, and they were actually – uh, a little bit better there. A lot of their losses came on nonsense. You could look at the LSU game and say, "Hey, that's a little bit of nonsense there as well." Um, but yeah, I think I think that Florida State at like a touchdown at six and a half is overvalued here. Yeah, I would take Wake and some points. Yeah, this one opened at like a pick'em, and it just flew Florida State's way. And I agree, Florida State should be favoring the game. Florida State, this is not what Florida State's been in recent years. But uh, you know, why are we just discrediting Wake all of a sudden, just getting off the bandwagon? I mean, they just went toe to toe with Clemson. I think that. They could get off the mat and stay close here. Um, another game, I'm not sure about I'm not sure about the weather, but this may be a game you just want to keep your eye on on the weather, just with that hurricane coming through. I think it's passing Florida by then, but just something to keep an eye on um as we get going. But great questions. Thank you to everyone who chimed in the chat. Let's get that recap graphic up just in case anyone uh tuned in late. Uh Parker went with NC State plus six and a half versus Clemson in our game of the week. Oklahoma against his beloved TCU uh laying seven. Washington minus three against UCLA took Illinois plus seven against Wisconsin and Duke laying two against Virginia. Uh, I went with the over in Clemson NC state. We'll see if I can make it through the hurricane uh, TCU catching seven against Oklahoma 
Middle Tennessee plus four against UTSA. Navy plus 14 against Air Force. San Jose State minus two and a half against Wyoming. And that is a whole bunch of bets for you on a Tuesday. Uh, we really uh, went through everything there. So, Parker, I really appreciate you coming on, man. And, you know, again, if you want to follow him on Twitter, at StatsOWar, he's one of the best in the business. His infographics are incredibly insightful. They're awesome. And check out his show on BetUS uh, on YouTube right now. You can see all his picks for the week. Um, and if you want to see more of my plays, you can go to my bet stamp at RW33. And if you just want to subscribe to our podcast form too, uh, you can go see that on any of your Apple and Android podcast platforms. Big shout out to Joanne Woodcock, our producer behind the scenes. Until then, until week six, have a profitable college football weekend. Best of luck, everybody. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.